Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business news podcast from the Business in Vancouver newspaper and from BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden. I'm Tyler Orton. Electromechanica is the maker of one of the most unique vehicles we have seen buzzing around the city. With three wheels and seating for just one person, I think these electric cars, they look a little bit like they've been pulled from like a sci-fi yeah, movie. Yeah, they do. Now, the Vancouver-based maker of these cars, well, they're poised for further growth, having debuted on the NASDAQ exchange this week and receiving its first production vehicle last month. The CEO of the company, Jerry Crawl, he's also a former Green Party candidate. He's going to join us on the show in just a moment. A range of innovative, disruptive technology has emerged to provide financial services and systems that conduct transactions and aim for greater efficiency. You can join us September 13th for BIV's FinTech panel. We'll be focusing on helping small and medium-sized businesses make informed decisions in this new and evolving landscape. For more information and for tickets, head on over to BIV.com slash events. And stay with us. Jerry Crawl is coming up next. Electromechanica made its debut on the NASDAQ this week, and the electric vehicle maker based right here in Vancouver, it received its first production vehicle last month. Joining us today to talk about what's ahead for this company here, it's Jerry Crawl. He is the CEO of Electromechanica. Jerry, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks very much for having me. So you received that first production car. I've actually had the chance to go and drive around one of the... Is, is it a prototype? Is that... Pre-production. A pre-production vehicle. You guys are now upgrading up uh, from the OTC onto the NASDAQ this week. So how long is it before all this growth just ends up with our entire city covered with solo vehicles, as you guys call them? Yeah, it can't be, can't be too soon. Electromechanica is one of the world's great companies. Next year, it'll be our 60th anniversary of building hand-built sports cars, uh, like the one that you see in Top Gun, the movie that Tom Cruise uh, and Kelly McGillis drive. That's our car oh, is in that it? movie. Okay. Yeah, it is. So we're focusing all that attention to detail, the quality and all that onto electric vehicles, because that's the future. We've been at that for five years. And the Solo is truly the epitome of that. We like to call it the iPhone for the road. Once you drive it and you realize how fun it is, you're addicted to it. You can park it anywhere. It costs nothing to run. And we have uh, orders for that and our other electric cars of over $2.4 billion worth. Electromechanica is truly one of the world's great companies based here in Vancouver. Well, talk a little bit about, I guess, production, because that's an interesting thing to me. You guys signed a deal, I believe, last year with a Chinese company, and then they are producing these vehicles. Uh, tell us a little bit about your plans for growth, delivering these vehicles to your customers, because I don't know, there, there's a little company down south of the border that their uh, difficulties with manufacturing has been well documented. Tell me a little bit about your plan to make sure that your customers are getting the vehicles that they want. Yeah, I actually know Martin Eberhardt and Mark Tarpening, who founded Tesla. Oh, wow. We were all starting at the same time in Mountain View, California. So it's fun to see what Tesla's done. Their platform is they design a car, they build a factory, the CapEx, you know, the time it takes, the employees and all that to build the cars. Apple computers, they will design a, v, uh, a product and then have Foxconn build and they avoid all that CapEx in time. That's the platform that we're going quick to market using top tier partners. So uh, our partner Zongshen in China, and we have other partners in Europe and the United States and elsewhere that will manufacture the cars. We actually design them to be replicated the same way that Apple will design their 
products to be replicated around the world. So we've got 75,000, $1.1 billion worth of these solos contracted for. That'll be showing up starting this October at our brand new uh, distribution facility in Los Angeles, California, Studio City. So you're all invited to come down and have some fun. There you go. Road trip, Tyler. Road okay. Trip. <laughs> well, uh, we'll have to take separate vehicles, though. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah, we because, <laughs> well, just for anybody who hasn't seen them, uh, it's three wheels. It's a single passenger vehicle. Hence so solo. Yeah, yeah, hence the solo. And I, I mean, they are, I'll say, it, they are a bit of a hoot to drive. And I, I think, Jerry, I mean, you're, you're summing it up just by calling it fun. And I think, you know, that's a pretty apt description for, you know, a ride in one of these things. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's addictive. And uh when you get out of your five-person gas car, 83% of us drive around by ourselves in a five-person gasoline vehicle to commute, which is about as crazy as walking along with your laptop to check your email. You take an iPhone with you. So that's the the eye of the needle that the soul goes. And as urban uh, roads environments get more congested in places like Los Angeles, New York, Vancouver, Paris, Tokyo, we have orders for these cars around the world, staggering orders and top tier partners that can manufacture tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of these vehicles based here with a 60 year old company that really knows how to build cars that last. So this is going to be one of the most amazing rollouts, not just from a capitalist perspective of selling a lot of cars, but also closing the last gas station in the world. You don't need gas for these vehicles. You never do. So there's a win on so many different uh, levels. Beyond wanting to get everyone in a solo, of course, who would you say your target market is? Because if you have a big family, you can't all cram into a solo, but maybe it's complementary to other modes of transportation. That's exactly right. So it complements uh, your family car the same way that uh, your iPhone complements your bigger computer, your laptop or your desktop. You don't choose one or the other. But there's a place for both. And that's exactly what it is. The three target markets that we have is, first of all, the 83% of commuters. That's 140 million American target customers. Staggering. Second one, car share. The biggest problem that car shares have is parking. You can park two and a half solos in the same spot. They can only park one regular car. Mm. That's a huge win for car shares. Third big market, delivery vehicles. Amazon, Alibaba, um, any company that's doing deliveries, DHL, FedEx, that last uh, few miles of getting the the packages uh, to the cu customer, that's really, and most of the packages are less than a pound. That's really where these cars are going to excel. Park it on a sidewalk, deliver the product, away you go. You don't need a cube van to deliver a paperback. That's where the soul is going to excel. Three massive markets. Well, let me pick your brain a bit about what you envision the future of transportation to be. Uh, you speak to somebody from Uber or Lyft, and they'll say that the future is in, say, ride hailing. We won't really own vehicles so much anymore. Uh, but from your perspective, how is ownership of vehicles going to change? How are our, I guess, transportation expectations going to be changing in the next decade or so? Yeah, that's a that's a, a big one. Uh, Elon Musk got into a lot of trouble by saying in a few years, you won't be able to drive a car by yourself. And then he had to walk that back. I won't walk that back. Pretty soon, you won't be able to drive. You'll just be in uh, an automated vehicle. You can't drive the SkyTrain yourself. You get into it, it drives itself. And it's Haley's perfect. tried and, and it, was, it was really awkward. Sit right in that front spot. Yeah, where exactly. Control. Yeah. So we're already working with a, a, a number of companies on the autonomous uh, vehicle front. Mm. And that is the killer app. Just the same way as you don't bring your own elevator to an office building, you get into an elevator and up it goes. I foresee a time when cities like Vancouver, Los Angeles, New York will just buy five, 6,000 
solos and have them available for people to just get into <clears throat> for free to go from one place to the other because it adds value to the city in the same way that you don't pay a buck to use an elevator in a building. It adds value to the building. That's the killer app. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. How does an autonomous vehicle charge itself? It can't get out and plug itself in. So we're, we've already uh, begun working with a company called Qualcomm for inductive charging. An autonomous vehicle can take you to the airport for free, drop you off, and then it can find a pad where it knows it can drive over, charge itself. We call it snacking on electricity hmm. until the next fare calls and away it goes. 24-7 for ride sharing around for free. That's the killer app for the solo. Wow, that's a pretty futuristic sounding, but it sounds like it's coming sooner than we think. How ready are we in a city like Vancouver or a region like Metro Vancouver to have the infrastructure to support a vision like that? Uh, <clears throat> it's it's coming. Uh, it, it depends on who's pushing it. So right now, uh, uh, I've talked to Andrew Weaver about this, and he'd like to see BC lead the way mm -hmm. as opposed to following other jurisdictions in autonomous vehicle adoption. So I'd like to see these vehicles on the road within two years. And here's why. The companies that are pushing for autonomous vehicles are the insurance companies because they don't buy into the hype. They do the math. And the math suggests that an autonomous vehicle is a zillion times safer than a person driving it, checking for the track tape underneath the car, underneath the seat, getting distracted and having a crash. Two people crash, it's a crash, human error. Autonomous vehicles, if there is an incident, you can trace back what happened. So the insurance companies know the numbers, that's where they're pushing. They could charge you one-tenth of what they're charging right now for insurance, and they'd make more money because there's just way less incidents. That's why the autonomous vehicle is coming soon. You'll be able to drive a car yourself, just like you can ride a horse, but you won't do it on Burrard Street. Right. Well, <laughs> again, Haley's tried, you know, but um, it tell us a little bit, uh, because if we're on the topic of government and maybe what they can do to incentivize, I'm not necessarily thinking about consumers, but, you know, producers like yourself, like how can we ensure that a company like Electromechanica is going to want to continue to be based here in Vancouver. How can we make sure that we've got production going globally? We've got a company that has incentives to keep operating in BC. Yeah, and that's that's another uh, bit of a, a thorn in my side as we're here. We see companies like Tesla being incented with $500 million from the U.S. government to open up a car manufacturer in California. Not Detroit, not Michigan, but California. They are now $10 billion, $60 billion company. GM is a $50 billion company because they got the support for clean tech and jobs. And there's tens of thousands of high-paying jobs there. Canada isn't doing that yet. And we've got people talking to them. And it's it's frustrating to see the Canadian government investing in bitumen pipelines while the rest of the world is moving forward to clean tech. Very frustrating uh, to get a phone call in to say, we'd like to see a, a manufacturing facility in British Columbia. There's no reason we can't if we can just get the politicians to wake up and realize everybody wants this to happen except for Rachel Notley. Okay. Uh, well, I'll, I'll uh, maybe be the devil's advocate here. Yeah, people would love to have you know a manufacturing facility here in BC. And we were discussing this yesterday on the show, Haley. Mm -hmm. Where exactly are you going to put it? Especially like, is Metro Vancouver off the table? I don't know where the industrial land is for something like this. We could do it anywhere. Uh, in uh, in California, Fremont, California is where they put. That would be the equivalent of uh, Abbotsford or Chilliwack uh, to Vancouver. Easy to do that, or even taking a bolder step, Prince George Terrace. 
fantastic. The port of Prince Rupert is actually closer to Chicago than is the port of Seattle, port of San Francisco, if you look at the globe. It's such a strategic place for getting parts in, getting parts out, shipping cars back and forth. So underutilized, so much clean power available for such a manufacturing facility. We just need the politicians with the vision. I think we have that in British Columbia now, and uh, I'd like to see more of that coming from Ottawa. There's a window of opportunity here for us to do that before all of this manufacturing is offshore, offshore to places like China, India, Europe, etc. And we wind up uh, having all of our BC or Canadian engineers uh, becoming baristas at Starbucks, which would be a huge shame. But you're saying it requires some sort of uh, leadership on the part of government. What kinds of incentives would you like to see to sort of make it a reality? Well, there's there's competition right now. Uh, we are uh, in discussions right now with a couple of jurisdictions in the United States that are talking to us about $150 million US of incentives mm. to build assembly factories down there. I can't even get the Canadian government on the phone. Mm. They'll stop for photos with the car. They're attractive. You can do that. You know, that's really exciting. But to actually get things done for jobs, and we're talking about tens of thousands of the highest paying jobs that'll be around for 20, 30, 40 years. No phone calls. There's more interest from India, China, and Europe for us to, to set up manufacturing facilities there than there is for Canada. And as a Canadian myself, born in Canada, as a Canadian business person, to see us fall behind and then to have the salt rubbed in the wound of a, of a bitumen pipeline coming in, and that's my money, my taxpayer dollar, your taxpayer dollars going into that, that's a head scratcher. And I have to think that 10 or 20 years from now, that's not just going to bite us in the bum. That's going to bite our kids and our kids' kids in the bum as we're having to buy these vehicles from other countries. Well, do you imagine there's, I don't know, any headaches created by the fact that we do have a U.S. administration that is threatening, say, auto tariffs right now? Uh, maybe it'd just be easier for production to go down to the United States instead of having you know investors worry about what's going to happen here in Canada and how it's going to be affected by the borders between the two countries. Yeah, there, there's literally tens of thousands of orders for these solos and our next car, the Tofinos. So they're around the world. So uh it's, you know, you go where you can grow your company the best. And I, I think we hear good intentions. We read about them in the newspaper when it, when it comes right down to it to say, okay, let's make this happen. That's where right now uh, we are being really enticed to other places uh, other than Canada to make this manufacturing happen and grow this company. This is, this is going to be a company that will rival Tesla as far as its size, its growth, and uh, the vehicles on the road, thousands of the vehicles on the road. And there's an opportunity here to be seized, and it's being missed by Canada, and it's being embraced by every other jurisdiction around the world. Why is that? Why do you think Canada's fallen behind on this? Mm, you, could, you could maybe think that Canada's a resource country, and that elections are being uh, handled and funded by resource companies that have uh, oil and uh, other types of fuels, you know, that have been around for the last 50, 60, 70 years. And that kind of tail is wagging the dog at this point in time. Uh, you know, we all see what's going on. It makes no sense. I can't imagine Justin Trudeau enrolling his kids in oil and coal studies for their futures. You know, that, that I don't think he'd do that. 
yet he'll take $4 billion of our money and buy a bitumen pipeline, which is, I think, another $1.6 billion more expensive than we thought it was. Or for a billion, we could set up a lithium-ion battery factory in Terrace, British Columbia, employ 5,000 people, and that'd be around for the next 40 years, zero emissions. Come on. I mean, it's so obvious. Well, and beyond the manufacturing point that we were discussing, we're do you find, I guess, global markets to be? You mentioned China, India as possibilities in the EU for where you build these things. Is that where the global market is going to be going forward in your opinion as well? Uh, the biggest market right now is in California. California as a state, as a market, represents 10 times the size for EVs as the whole rest of North America combined. It's massive. So we'll be opening in October our first distribution facility there for the Solo and the Tofinos in October of this year. It's an ex-BMW dealership. It's massive. And uh, it's going to be the place where not only people embrace this technology, but uh, it's a high-profile area. There'll be a number of stars driving around in uh, in solos uh, before the end of this year. And, and the Tofinos, correct me if I'm wrong, those are the two-seat vehicles, right? Correct. Our legacy product, like the one that Tom Cruise and uh, Kelly McGillis drove, is a two-seater convertible. So the Tofino is a clean sheet, and there'll be some amazing announcements about who is working with us on that project. Mm. So it's a two-seat convertible, $50,000, 250-mile range beautiful car and we have a staggering amount of uh, pre-orders on that it's an electric vehicle like doesn't exist from anywhere else and it carries on the 60 years of heritage of intermechanica on an electric platform have you driven the one yet i have not just uh, just the solo yeah so you'll have to come by and uh, take it for a test drive andrew mccready referred to uh to the e-roadster the the two-seater electric convertible as the official car of vancouver it is amazing right yeah, I like that. Going backwards just a little bit to the jump from the OTC to the NASDAQ. I mean, what was the impetus for this? And what is this going to allow you to do that maybe being on the OTC did not? Yeah, it, it was the uh, goal all along. Uh, again, I know the founders of Tesla and all three of us, Martin, Mark and myself, we said, okay, this is something that everybody embraces. We all want to see the world transition from fossil fuel to clean tech. Everybody wants that to happen. And by being on on the NASDAQ, it allows everybody to say, I'm not just going to put in an order for the car or wish well. I can actually buy $100 worth of stock, just like you could buy Disney or Starbucks because you like those companies. You can say, go, Jer, let's get these cars going. S-O-L-O on the NASDAQ exchange. Put a little bit, like maybe sell some of your Kinder Morgan stock and transition it (laughs) over to clean tech with Solo. Why not? And that really is what has made Tesla a $60 billion company is the enthusiasm of the people, not the investment bankers, not the analysts, not the brokers, not the short sellers, definitely, right? But the people who say, we want this to happen. I don't want a Cadillac. I don't want a Lincoln. I want a high performance electric car. That's the way that we're going. And that the results are right there. And that's exactly what we've done now. Uh, today's the second day of trading. In a year from now, I think you're going to see an, ex- an absolutely amazing uh, bunch of results. Interestingly, we also heard from CEO of Tesla, Elon Musk, saying or musing that maybe he would take the company private. Is it sort of a similar idea, maybe getting back to the people and the vision and not having to deal with short sellers, analysts, you name it? What yeah. do you think? Elon doesn't make mistakes. I love that. I love it when people say, oh, he's making so many mistakes. Oh my God. Look at his results, right? Uh, 
12-year-old company. General Motors is a 100-year-old company. GM is worth $50 billion. He's worth $62 billion. How is that a mistake? If you think he's making a mistake, look closer because he's probably thought 15 steps ahead of where you think. This guy is launching rockets to Mars. He's not going to make a mistake right with with your wealth and your investment and it's proven that well the people who invested at $17 are holding on to a $350 share today and he's thinking about taking them private at $420 a share oh my goodness and that speaks to the market of what people want and the investments for Tesla for electric car companies like Electromechanica are coming in from around the world not just California but from the Middle East from Europe from China, from South America, and from North America, because it's global climate destruction. We all live on the same planet. That's what the mission is. It's not Vancouver climate destruction or LA. It's the globe. And it's a global movement. And you can see it happening in real time with companies like ours and Tesla. Well, excellent, Jerry. I can't wait to get in and another spin on one of these vehicles. It was Come on by. the first time. So, <laughs> But I want to thank you for joining us on the show today. Thanks very much. That's Jerry Crawl. He is a CEO of Electromechanica. And that's it for BIV today. Thanks for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and over at BIV.com where you can find more business news. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week. 